Thanks for joining us for another edition of Out There and Joy of Union with T.J. Ryan and Joy Melchizedek. Today we're going to talk about a topic that's kind of like something we all are familiar with. And I guess with Halloween coming up, Joy suggested this. And this is, you know, I went through something just this past week, so it's kind of fresh on my mind. And I would say, because of what I believe, and I truly know, I think, could be wrong, not 100%, but I'm just saying when I truly believe what happens to all of us, it's not a difficult topic, even having just gone through something like that recently. So we're going to talk about when people pass, and Joy is going to join us at any moment. She's going to be floating in from heaven. I hear her right now. (laughs) This is Joy, and I'm just going to fly in and come in for a landing. So I am am here on the planet. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm excited to be here, and um, we were, I know we were talking about a plethora of ideas, and it just seemed like the congruent place we came to is the topic of death or transition, and there are so many things linked to holidays where we celebrate and honor souls and it's it's really up this time of year and um i thought one of the things i would do is just talk for a minute about some of the holidays that are celebrated um for souls during this time there's something called all up Allentine Day, which is St. Alan's Day, and it's a Cornish, Cornish festival. And the day it's celebrated is on the 31st of October. We have the Celtic Shemhan, uh, which marks the end of autumn and the beginning of winter, and that's November 1st. And then we have Halloween, which is the 31st. It's All Saints Day. And then we have the Day of the Dead, which is November 2nd. It's a Mexican holiday. And in Mexico, beloved ones are celebrated on the the anniversary they die and also on November 2nd. Um, I actually... When I was in Arizona and I flew out there, I wound up there during celebration of that holiday. And when I flew in, TJ, it was the craziest thing. It was like 10,000 people. We went to this event. 10,000 people were there. There were films of loved ones who had passed on being shown all around the area we were at. And um, there was not one act of violence or disruption. It was amazing. The energy was off the charts. And they did that in Arizona. And then when I came home, I was inspired to start to set up an altar for the Day of the Dead. So every year around this time, I get all the photos 
and all the names of everyone I know who ever transitioned, and I put them on an altar with flowers and different things that mean something to me, and I honor their souls. And I can feel, I feel them anyway, but I can, I've had different kinds of activity happen during this kind of thing. Like one time, I was doing readings at the haunted house up the street during Halloween, and um, it's an amazing restaurant. It's called Alfred's Victorious. So what happened when I would go in there, the ghosts would line up at the front door, introduce themselves, and then I would let them know how long I'd be there. And at the end of the day, I'd leave and honor them as I left. And one time, this is the only time I ever got scared. (laughs) Um, I came home that night, and um, what happened, I had my altar set up, and I went to bed that night, and all of a sudden, 3 o'clock in the morning, I was startled awake And there floating at the foot of my bed was one of the ghosts that um, lives in that house up the street. They call her Emma. That's not her name. And I was like, I was freaking out. (laughs) In all the years I've I've spoken to the deceased, this is the only time I ever got rattled because I was asleep, you know. And so I found out later on she had come in because she wanted to be honored and put on the altar. And after I did that, she was fine. So um, if anyone in any way is feeling disrupted by somebody, this is something, this altar ceremonial thing is something you can do to bring peace to them and your connection with them. Isn't that neat? That's a neat story. Yeah, that is. Yeah. Yeah. So I know this isn't exactly where we were going, but I thought this might be helpful for people who wonder what they can do. Um, And it's kind of like you're recognizing the connection, that the connection is still alive. Because even when souls transition, the soul is immortal and the love never dies. And in watching you, TJ, and what you're going through this week, do you think that that is how you're holding your connection with your wonderful Bob now? My father-in-law? You know, I've heard so many different things, and, and I just try to be respectful of all of it and offer love, and I'm willing to let go, you know, because really the only thing that separates us is us not being able to see them. So there will come a time, again, if that's what they desire and you desire, that that you can connect, and maybe even sooner as we move towards the fifth dimension. But, you know, I've heard like Native Americans won't speak a person's name for up to a year because they wanted to give them time on the other side to transition and get used to their life over there. And then, you know, I've had souls come around me, uh, 
shortly after they passed. And in other cases, it took many years. And maybe I just didn't see it. You know, maybe there were little signs or clues or whatever that uh, I didn't quite pick up because when I was younger, maybe I missed some of those things. So I don't know. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm open to all of it, I guess. And I'm at peace with mm. all of it. But I also, here was an interesting thing I read. Somebody had concluded the other, and it was a channeled message. Unlike what you do, by the way, where you speak interdimensionally with these beings. But let me just say this. Um, this person that was channeling, he was talking about how the soul moves on. We think that these ghosts that are around us are left behind. And I thought this was very interesting. He said that, and there may be some that stay behind, but he said, no, they're just leaving part of their energy behind they have actually moved on, so it's a, it maybe is a piece of them. And that would make more sense to me. Because, of, you know, some of these castles are haunted for thousands of years. You mean they haven't found the light in, you know, for thousands of years? What's your take on that, Joy? So um, it's interesting you're bringing this up. Just recently, I started doing these readings, which could come through when I was a little girl. It just wasn't time yet. Um, the readings are called Paralleling Life Readings. And they're established in a real form. And what happens is I tune into the soul, the essence of the person, and see simultaneously however many lives are coming through for me to see. So maybe, let's say, six lives. But the actual essence of the person is what I'm tuning into, and then I follow these threads into these dimensions and lifetimes that are showing me their karma, what they've learned, all kinds of stuff. What this man is describing is the fact that the essence is what moves on, but the imprint of that life and its lessons and its connections remain. So it's very congruent what he's saying with what I've witnessed. And the thing is, too, um, the higher the vibration that you read from, not the better, but the higher of vibration. Like years ago, when I was like in mediumship, I would like take on the people and the death and all that, and I don't do that now. What I do is read from that place so I'm not drained. I can see the bigger picture, <clears throat> and I can get more information about the evolution of the soul of that person rather than one lifetime. Does that make sense? I believe on my... Uh frame of understanding yes it does make sense that's good and it's very congruent with what your friend said and personally i feel we're going to hear more and more of this because we're in a continuum or we're at an evolution um right now that involves a no time no space continuum and if there's no time or space that you're looking at things from, it's fifth dimensional. Fifth dimension or ascension is only a shift in perception. Once you shift your perception, 
your frequency goes up. And it's very simple. It gives you access to higher dimensions. So part of the reason you sometimes have souls come in because your vibration, it's because your vibration is going higher and higher during those times. Um, some of the souls, um, actually, if they're way out, they'll lower their vibration. They might be coming in from the ninth to eighth dimension, something like that. But they'll lower their vibration to find a connection point with their essence in their connection with you. But the thread that brings them back is the love. This is where the love never dies. It's part of the formulation of how a soul evolves. It's it's the foundation of each soul and how it experiences connection is linked to how deeply they love. So there is a part that will stay with you, you know, you know, the other thing, which is interesting, I have a brother who um, made transition. Now, my brother, Tommy, he was the one, he and I traveled as children and, and witnessed ourselves um, in other lifetimes together. Um, and he was the first one that came to me for a reading as a child, um, I have a little story that's kind of funny. I think I was three, um, three, maybe four, something like that. And that made him eight, nine. And um, our parents were divorced. And um, so we came from this Italian family. And um, we were visiting our Italian grandma. And all the relatives in the house were speaking Italian. And every once in a while, we'd hear our dad's name. And so Tommy said to me, listen, just one time, I want to understand what they're saying about our dad. And I said to him, I'll tell you what, Tommy, I'm going to go in the other room, I'm going to read everyone's mind, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to tell you what they said. He said, okay, you know. So I go skipping off. In those days, I was very shy, and I didn't talk, if you could imagine. So huh. anyway. Hard to believe. Yeah. I know. Look at how I've grown, right? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I go off, I stand in the corner, and I'm listening and listening, and all of a sudden, it dawns on me, what's going on? I go in the other room, and I say to Tommy, well, here's the thing, Um, Daddy has a girlfriend, and her name is Esther. So um, when I saw my dad, I met this lady named Esther. And I asked her if she was her our dad's girlfriend, and she wouldn't answer me. And she said, "What do you think?" And I bit her nails off. <laughs> what? So, 
I bit her nails off. <laughs> you bit her nails? I was nails. Free. Okay. Yeah, she had long nails, and I bit them off. I was angry at her because she took my dad, you know? But um, the reason I'm sharing that is because Tommy was like um, my soul partner through all these different changes and everything. And um, when he made transition, the week before he went, he said to me, come and sit with me for three days. You've helped me do this 12 times before. So I was literally teleported into into the tunnel before I went to him. And there was the essence of light was sparkling in there and everything. And my focus was on him and bringing him peace and helping him go. So I remember I went and I sat by his bed. And um, during uh, right before this happened, he said to me, I am a friend of the dove. And I, I was like, okay. And for those three days, he was um, unconscious. And I spoke to his soul. And I would say to him, so what do you think, Tommy? When do you think you're going to go, you know? And I was hearing messages from the angels while I was sitting in the void with him. And then when he went, I did this really beautiful thing. I washed his feet, and I saw his soul hover around his body and watch as his daughter wiped his face, and I washed his feet. And then the day uh, of his funeral, um, there was a knock on the door at like 5 in the morning. And anyone who knows me knows I don't get up at 5 in the morning. It's not my area. So... I go down, I answer the door, and um, there's no one there. But I look up at the outside light, and I see a dove sitting there. And this dove followed me for two weeks. Two weeks. Everywhere I went, this dove was with me. And, of course, I found out along the way that one of the first stops that souls make if they're if the animal kingdom gives them entry and they feel that people have been kind to them is they travel in the dimension where the animals were or are. So I know that's where his soul was, you know. And then after a certain point, I'm sharing this because there was so much that happened with his transition that taught me like a lot of things. Even though I had been reading for a long time, there were things I've learned from his transition that has stuck with me. And now this was in 2004 or five, so it's like 20 years ago. But um, he, at some point, um, I had gotten sick 
And he was so present for me. At that point, he would follow me in and out of doctor's offices and shut the door behind me and sit next to me. And so I know that the connection of love, when when it's so strong, um, it remains. And whatever we need to experience with them, it goes on. It goes on. The love doesn't die. So that's my experience. Now, I know people may have different experiences, but I'm hoping that maybe this would bring people some comfort in knowing that there are many, many different ways the connection goes on. I find it interesting that you talk about, because I've had loved ones or ones that I knew show up, especially as birds. And when you made, yes. the, you made the correlation about they had to have, they had to love animals or have respect for them in order to enter into that so that they could use their bodies to show up. Is that kind of what you were saying, Joy? Yes. Well, actually, the animals become a messenger for them. So like a dove was sent to me to tell me he was with the dove. Now, it's interesting for the dove. The dove is the symbol of the Holy Spirit or the goddess Sophia. And even though my brother (laughs) knew um, that I'm metaphysical and metaphysical minister, he became a born-again Christian. And um, he was all into that, but still, his whole life, he came for readings. He stayed open because he saw things, you know. So um, it was kind of like a very congruent symbol between us. So it was a lovely thing he sent that. But yes, they have to have the approval of the animal kingdom to visit. So some are going to come Isn't back to us. Cool? Yes, it is. So some maybe didn't have that connection with animals and maybe weren't. So they might find other ways to connect with us if they choose uh, after they pass. And others yeah. who, I think of my mom, I think she showed up in the form of birds more than once and animals. And I think of others that I've known that have shown up. And she loved animals. There's no question about it. So I'm sure she had no problem getting through the test, or whatever you want to call it, getting into that that kingdom. Um, But I'm also, if you're done with that topic, I wanted to Mm -hmm. ask you about, as far as what you know, because people are going to lose loved ones, um, and I lost my father-in-law last week, and I didn't really get, I'm a little bit sad, but, you know, I guess Mm -hmm. I really believe we all go on. You know, that puts your faith to test. Well, what do you believe? Well, if you truly believe... And, you, and I know that we all, this is just one step on our journey, and I know he's absolutely fine, even if he was the worst person in the world, which he wasn't, but even if he was, we all go on, as far as I'm concerned. But what is the process, because you defined it a little bit, what is the process that, as far as you know, that goes on when somebody leaves their body when they pass, if you don't mind? No, I don't mind. I'll give you my experience or knowings the way I see it, okay? 
um, my understanding is the thoughts we formulate about death affect very strongly what we'll experience. And so, for example, if somebody's a Christian and they have this fear of going to hell, what I've seen is there are times where the soul steps out of the body and they may have fear and they may feel as if they're alone, which is confronting some of their fears. And there's an angel of grace around them, assisting them with that frequency of grace to help them open to a wider perception of what they can experience. Now, the Hindu and the Buddhists believe in reincarnation. So there are different levels of heaven and hell. So they feel what, according to what their behaviors are, their karma is, they'll go and experience that. There are some souls, old souls, that actually don't have a formulated religious belief, but they may be spiritual. And they may have an eagerness about going home. And when they do, um, they may turn into a body of energy and totally release the form. And in doing that, it's not that... um, they don't exist. It's that the existence that they experience is in a very wide level. Now, this is according to the death of one life. Remember, there's paralleling life experiences. So you may have, and you've heard in shamanism, people go through death and rebirths in one life. And I feel, as we're sharing this, This occurs because of a layover from the other souls, soul experiences where the wisdoms that they're receiving in this life while they're living are fueling the next step of rebirth in a human body. On a soul level, though, the evolution of the soul, it doesn't have a containment, it doesn't have a a limitation to it either. So the more a soul progresses in the frequency of light and the wisdom of that light and the love of that light, the higher the vibration goes. And the less attachment they have to anything, an object, a person, but they're in that frequency of oneness. So ultimately, um, in my knowing, Um, you wind up in a place of emergence with source, which is home. So what you're telling me, which is similar to what I believe in, I believe, I believe, I think, and also (laughs) what what rings true in my heart, is there's there's many levels of consciousness. And so what what you believe in this life is what you're going to kind of step into in the next, and eventually, (laughs) you know, it's an it's a process. It has been for a long time to take that next step. It doesn't have to be that way, but that's kind of the way that we we've done it. We, Jacob's ladder comes to mind, and so you're taking the next yep. step. And so I look at like what Jesus said 
when he said, in my kingdom there are many mansions. And Absolutely. I see it as there are many levels of consciousness. And to support what you said about people experiencing darkness when they die because they believe in hell, there's been research done, and I always like digging up this stuff because it supports what I believe and I know. And they've done research on people that have had near-death experiences or can remember their previous lifetimes, even between lifetimes. And people that went to a dark place, if you want to call it hell, the minute they cried out for the light or for God or for source or angels, they were pulled out of there. So they had created their own, there is no place as far as I'm concerned. I don't know everything, but as far as I believe, there is no place like that. Why would a loving being create that? So this is something that we put ourselves into. And the people, when you start to mention the Buddhists and the Hindus, the Buddhists, when they pass, may see uh, Buddha. And the Hindus may see one of their many gods. And Christians may see Christ. And so it goes on and on and on. But generally, and even atheists, it was really fascinating, they did research on atheists that passed or had near-death experience. And they still saw an angelic being that brought them to this place. And it was so beautiful and peaceful, they didn't want to leave, and they were told they had to go back. And some of these atheists that came back now believe that there was something more. So they didn't have a preconceived belief, and yet they still experienced some light. Yes. What you're describing, too, I want to also mention that pagans and Wiccans, they step into, like, remember when I described how I sat in the great void with Tommy, my brother. Um, The great void is a symbol of the womb of the mother of creation. And if you stop and think that souls spiral up that void when they die, you hear that, and they spiral down that void when they're born. And that right there is the womb of the divine feminine. So before um, souls continue with their um, uh, ascension, if you will, because uh, the frequency goes up, they're ascending through that frequency of the divine feminine. And that's according to paganism and the Wiccan and the goddess paths, which also are deeply spiritual, deeply. Now, um, when I say that, deeply spiritual, what I mean by that is the uh, walking the integrity of those paths are... um, when somebody walks the integrity of their spirit path or religious path, there is um, a a deep um, reverence towards spirit. Um, And it doesn't matter what label that you give it. I think that spirit is so inclusive and and, um, people try to give limitation and definition to, to God, which is confinement, and when it's used, looked at through logical understanding. 
and the experience of transition, it's not a logical thing. The drive to understand death, though, causes us to embrace life, which I think is a lovely thing, you know. It's like the experience of death. And when you have somebody die or around you, it will very often do one of two things, cause you to want to go with them or to live stronger. So either way, you're connecting with this very wide, limitless, um, non-defining experience of the soul's evolution through each encounter with death because it makes you question you. It makes you question purpose. It makes you go to the deep places that people avoid. Doesn't it? It does, and I think also what it does is is there's blessings, from my perspective, that come Mm -hmm. out of it because people open their minds and they Mm -hmm. open their hearts. And if we just lived like that every day, it, things would change in a hurry. And what I've always noticed during those moments, I actually enjoy them because people put down their egos, maybe not all the way, but they put a lot of that away. And even like what I experienced with my father-in-law, you know, I've talked about the metaphysical and they kind of probably just look at me a little funny uh, once in a while when I do that. And I don't push it on anybody, but Sandy's been around me enough to, She's kind of adopted some of that stuff because she's heard yeah. me. And it's made her, made her be more at peace. Sandy's my wife, by the way. And uh, now I see them all saying, look at this sign over here. And it's like, good for you. It's like you're finally, you know, they were, mm-hmm. they were part of uh, the Catholic upbringing. But I think they came to realize even, you know, Bob, towards the end of his time there, the priest came up to him and said, do you mind if I give you a blessing? And he said, it can't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's they've stepped away from that teaching a little bit, which I don't think is a bad thing. And just because there's so much control in it, and I'm not here to badmouth anybody that believes in that, good for you if you do. But I think those of us that have been through, I was Lutheran, Nothing against Lutherans or any belief out there, but there's limitations, like you say. You want to put God in a box. You want to put teachings in a box. I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. And and if that's yeah. if that works for other people, good for them. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I do feel Bob here. Really? Is that okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I was. I didn't want to ask you because I don't want to take advantage of, of your friendship with me. And I wanted Never. to give, give Bob some space because sometimes after, you know, there's a lot of people tugging at him when somebody passes. And he has a pretty good-sized family, so there's a lot of hearts that are pulling him. And I realize as a spirit you can probably be in all places at once. But I just mm-hmm. wanted to give him time. If he wanted to communicate, I was going to leave that up to him. But that is awesome. Yeah, he's popped in off and on. And he's telling me he's um, acclimating. He's acclimating, he says. Um, he shows me this image that, oh, it's, it's like this movie. Um, uh, Robin Williams was in it. Oh, I what forgot. dreams may but anyway. come. 
what dreams may come. Yes, yes, yes. Um, there's flashes after he dies where it shows him visiting here and visiting there. And he says he's doing that. He pops in here. He goes over there. But he said he wanted to communicate with you. He says, um, your vision is wide. He says, it's wide. He says, he, like what I heard him say is after the flash when he left, and he, he kind of was confused, confused about what he should do. And um, a couple, three came around him. Uh, two of them were souls that he knew, family, and an angel. And um, they were reassuring him. And um, he said now he's, um, he's getting used to being able to materialize in different ways. He's starting to enjoy this a lot, he says. That's, it sounds like him. He says, um, he says it's, it's so different than what he thought it would be. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he shows me. He shows me his mind, and he says, I realize how small my mind was connected to this. He, he shows me his heart, though. He shows me he had this heart, this big heart for those he loved. And, um, and he also says there were times he withheld how much he loved from people, too. He said sometimes he struggled getting the words out. He says, but he did his best to imprint the love with people as much as he could. And he says, the people I loved knew I loved them. And he's, he considers that his greatest accomplishment. He does. He shows me the book. They brought the book he says he hasn't gone through it all. It, it, it's like in a flash of an eye kind of thing. Um, but he's distracted because he's still settling in. And I see him. Um, it's, I, I feel a part of him is like still progressing in the tunnel. And, um, oh, I see him go to Sandy. And he wraps her around, he wraps her in this cocoon of love. It's like he's starting to discover what he can do as an energy, you know, and he's sending this cocoon of pink love around her. And he sits with his wife at the edge of her bed. Um, he says he sits next to her, mornings are tough. He says um, for her, and then he he kind of flashes away, and I see that he's followed you. He, at times he's followed you, and I've seen him just now. He shows me this image of putting his hand on the back of your heart in your back to bring peace, and he shows me through the services and the week. 
he kept doing that kind of thing because it was like his way of sending love. He didn't understand um, what he did. He was getting it. He says, he's like, I was getting it. So he, he was wanting to make it as comforting for people. So he had this angel with him, and they, of course, were out of his service. <clears throat> and um, it was like he heard. He heard what happened. And he's witnessed um, the kindnesses, the things people have spoken. And he says, TJ, he's like, that's another thing we do over here. We go to our own services and everything. Um, He says, we like to hear our accomplishments. He says, you don't always hear it when you're alive. He says, sometimes they wait, you know. Maybe he shows me he's smiling. He's smiling. Did he? And he says, thank you. He says, thank you. He's saying thank you for being his, his, he says, he says in some regard, he felt like a brother-father connection with you. And that is exactly, I would label it more of a brother I never saw him as right. like a, I never saw him as a father figure. I saw him more as a brother. We spent we did right. a lot of he, things. Go ahead. Yeah, he saw you as both because you didn't. Your dad wasn't around, so he was trying doing everything he could do to bring connection to you, however you to receive it. But he saw you as a brother, and he felt in a way like like father in that regard, not. First, he said brother, but he felt like it would bring comfort about that connection, too. That was his intention. Might not have been yours, but that was his. I had, no, I had no intention. I just went with the flow on it and whatever happened, and I accepted it for what it was. And him and I were a lot alike in a way. Yes. And I want to ask him if that's okay. Has sure. he been leaving things for people to find. A lot of the family have been finding dimes and surely found this Virgin Mary in her duffel bag. Has he been doing any of that? Or is there someone else? Or is it just coincidence? So he started laughing. And he went, yep, yep, kind of like that. That's me. It's like he's sending signs. But he says some of the signs have come from him directly. And some of them have been put by the angelic forces of light to bring comfort and peace and to remind people that the love and connection goes on. And that's exactly what I felt was going on because every time the family would find something, oh, I found a penny today, or but it's like some of those, I, in my own gut feeling, were just, I thought, those are angelic forces. I don't know if Bob did all of those. And maybe he did some certain ones. Right away after after he passed, I mean, within minutes, we went in this one room to meet with some people. And, and then, I don't remember who it was, but somebody found a dime where they find it. And dimes seem to be like a lot of times what people find. I don't know why that is when someone passes. Feathers, dimes, they say. And so anyway, but I don't want to miss this time with Bob. I loved him dearly. I didn't cry.
But now I am. Are you there? <laughs> yeah. 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 He he said not yet, and then he's um he's holding you, and I'm holding you, and we're with you. We're all with you. And he wants you to know that there's this feeling in him that he's taking all that love and all that connection in his heart and it's with him. It's with him. And he wants you to know he will be with you every day of your life. He says, talk to me. Don't worry about where else I'm flying around. Talk to me, he says. Let me be in your life in the ways that are different. And we'll rebuild our connection anew. And I just want to, one more thing to ask, and I don't want to turn this into that uh, interview, this show, but his son Jim and his other son Tom were really they were really broken up and they cried a lot when he when we were in the room when he passed is there i'm sure it's a similar message but maybe someday i'll be able to pass this on to them if he wants um anything that he would like to say they're both wonderful guys so part of what is going on with his sons is that um, they see death as final. And his parting gift with them is one that is intended to support them with learning that you can move on and live a happy life fully and let go of someone you love and leave a space for them to come in a way that is different than what they've had with him in the human experience. He says they're each going to learn. They have their own learnings, and they're not identical, but they're going to find more and more richer ways of loving and appreciating people. That's a big thing, appreciating having love come into their life more and more. Um, uh, The depth and the value of it, the idea that what you experience with somebody when they're in connection with you and a human, um, it can be fleeting. So in their concept it was too soon it was it would always be too soon um, because their connection with how they perceive what death is has this um, sense of what happens next there's questions And there's something with communication lines opening between you and them at some point, um, being able for you to talk with them 
and um, share about your mom and what happened. It's you know if you haven't already, you know I'm just getting that there's going to be um, openings there for them to connect with you. That's what I just got. Well, thank you, Bob, for coming in, and I'm glad you're around, and I'll be talking to you. Anything else that we want to share with that? He says, um, I heard him say, I love you. I love you, I too. I treasure you and the bond that we share. And he says, I'll be looking over on everyone, and I can see him as, um, I want to say it's like, um, I see his form, not not specific features, but I see his form, and I feel his frequency is up. It's up. And he says, I'm enjoying flying around over here. <laughs> and he's laughing. And then I, I kind of saw like a shimmer. That's Thank cool. you for trusting me and letting me in. Um, this experience is personal, and um, I feel honored you let me bring him through for you. Certainly was my not my intention today. I never try to do these shows for my own advantage, um, and I'm so glad that, that you did do that. Thank you very much, and it was nice to... I mean, I kind of knew this. You know, I think I can sense things and feel things, but mm-hmm. I kind of figured... It kind of exactly what you said rings so true. So thank you. Yeah, it's the validation. Sometimes, you know, we actually truly know everything in us. But, you know, when people are born or die or whatever, you know, and when you're getting messages or hits around people you love, Sometimes it's just having some validation that, you know, helps to solidify and helps you settle in deeper, you know, because you can be okay when they go, but you're still in a life process. And the support is okay to receive it. You deserve it. You're my bro. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, I'll bring them through for you. You know, Bob was like one of my best friends because we got along so well. We were so much alike in a lot of ways, kind of silly and goofy, you know me. And he was good-natured about things. And so we kind of connected from the first time I met him. He was a little silly. And so we had like a similar way of seeing things. And he was laid back and easygoing and approachable. And Anyway, what else do you want to go ahead? I felt that. I felt that with you. And I felt he would never divulge the father since he he felt like there was a part of him that felt like he wanted to keep an eye on you. And that was the father, but the brother was the deep bond in that way. I really felt that very strong. But now he'll, he'll be like your mom looking after you too. Okay, so I hope you start chatting with them. I will. Thank you very much. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. 
So what else would you like to speak about since I've chewed up a lot of your time? <laughs> no. no, you didn't. Um, but I thought maybe we would just kind of, I wanted to talk about suicide and um, the kids and a little bit and um, just share how um, the Council of One um, after the last school school shooting in Texas, uh, the souls of those children came to me like a blanket of stars with their teacher, and um, I I was there and they were being lifted up in a blanket of peace, and the council. Then um, I got word from somebody who wanted to do some work almost immediately after this happened. And then the council said to start a monthly peace channeling circle. And in the last one, which was Sunday, they said that, um, and one of the things they have been encouraging us to do is interview the world's children, 100 interviews or more, um, where we ask kids, you know, um, what don't you like here and what would you do to change it? And um, the interviews that are coming through are off the charts, but that's another show. So um, anyway, um, what happened, um, the council said that more children who have a voice, the less death there will be. Because with the school shootings, some of those children are dealing with like a lot of density and they don't want to work on the earth. They want to work in the dimensions. So they'll go that way. And some of the suicides are linked to the world receiving a message that, you know, if the earth doesn't support its children, they're going to leave. And that is part of why the suicide rates are so high with gay and um, like the um, trans, gay, lesbian community all across the board with teens. Um, If the world doesn't receive the wisdom they're here to bring, they'll take it someplace else and we'll work with it from there. So I think that this is a piece that is important to hear. And we're also on a very high level in something called times of rendering. And during this time, um, many, many souls are being approached uh, with the opportunity to stay or go. And um, I've had this happen to me a couple of times, you know, um, where if I was really miserable, somebody would appear and say, yo, you don't want to go. And like one time I wound up looking at the earth and um, thought, no, I'll stay for her. Another time it was a child. So um, it's actually very common especially during these times that we're um, being given the opportunity to choose. So during this time, the death rates are higher, and this is part of the reason why there's such an outpouring of services 
linked to mediumship because there is so much happening all around this topic of death or transition. So I wanted to leave our listeners with that. And I also wanted to let everyone know, which I know you you all have it in your heart, is there's a knowing that you we are here and we can and we do when we focus our energy. We live in a world that is more peaceful and we help bring that in if we are on board and alignment with those choices to live in that way. So I want to encourage people and just and bring awareness so there is more comfort through this time because there will be more, much more to come. But remember that even through the shifts of the earth, there is birth going on and there is a life which is propelling us to enjoy it, you know? So we're taking steps. We're taking Mm -hmm. steps towards our, if you want to call it our spiritual evolution. So there's growing pains around along the way, but we are, we are going to get there, right? Yeah. And, you know, remember the reality we live is the one we nurture. So if we perceive that we're there, we live it and we bring it and we offer it to others. That's why light workers have come to do that. Why else would we have come? I got to tell you, TJ, there's no way. I mean, I know how I was on the other side before I came, you know. I was like, yeah, I'll take that life piece of cake. I've done this one over there, and I'm like, yeah, right. (laughs) I think this one was probably the trickiest one I ever chose. But I have to say, I understand why this particular realm or life in this in this time right now, um, and I say that tongue in cheek, you know, because there is no time. But this is the time of the coming together of all ages. And do you know souls were fighting to get in here for this life? There were so so many that wanted to come, you know. And then there are many who didn't come because they work, chose to work from the other side. You know? So now we have the shifts of leaving and we have those new babies and those new gifted kids coming in. So that's part of the focus of how this new world births. It's through them. Uh, the Council of One said, when you hear their interviews, you get a taste of what's birthing. And it's true. It's true. There are things I'm, I'm hearing from, from the kids, one of the little girls. She, um, um, I'm trying to think, her interview was all about um, that she didn't, she didn't like death and she didn't like the war and the violence. And um, I said, well, what would you do to change it? And she said, "Um, I'd make peace. I'm like, well, how would you do that? 
And she said, I'd use my words instead of my fists. And I said, is there anything else you want to say? And she says, yes. My name is, um, I'm just going to give her initials for now, E.B. I am 11 years old. Um, I'm only a small portion of the world, and some may think I don't have any power, but I'm mighty. She's 11. Mm -hmm. And I know, and these interviews with these kids that are coming out, there's another one, a 17-year-old, he said quite graphically and cursing, but, you know, I said, okay, let's clean it up a bit. And I said, how's this? And I said, what don't you like? He said, the government has failed. I said, okay. I said, what would you do to, to shift it? He said, Put the young people in charge. We know what they need. This, this, and, you know, it's like you think about it, you know. If you look at our government, the foundation of it is hundreds of years old. And it's being ruled, um, and I don't mean to be political, but this 17-year-old is saying we need the new energy now. And that is part of the new earth. So I'm seeing these things that are happening through these kids. And, you know, one of the things I'm grateful for and I remember is that every time they have a chance to speak, that's one more child that stays. That's one more child that has has the sense or the knowing that they're being heard and they have the potential to live their purpose here. And it's just two questions. It decreases suicide and it decreases the amount of kids that go from shooting. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. It's interesting, very and interesting to hear what they they're say. And people sometimes ignore the elderly mm-hmm. in our society and they ignore the very young ones. And... I've noticed that too, that the young ones with each generation coming in, especially in the last 20, 30 years, seems like they're born with a little more awareness, a little more, and now you have a group that are very aware of what needs to be done and what what needs to take place. And it's obvious if you just talk to kids, you can see that going on. As many different things, issues that we have or it seems like there's a lot more difficulties with families and homes and drugs and all these things, but you still have these children that are coming out so aware uh, mm-hmm. of things, and they are very honest about it. And because yep. they're able to, is it because they're born into more, in a time where there's more light? I've heard different theories on this, but is it because they chose to be born into more light, or is it because we have more light and they're being born into that. The planet is being filled with more light. What do you think that would be? So um, I'll just, you know, I think I think it's in the thing. Um, I'll just share with work and with the kids what I've learned and seen from them, what I kind of have a sense of. Um, one of the things that I've talked about the indigo, and they were born from 1984 to 2000. 
and from 2000 to 2000 to 2010 uh the crystals came in and then from 2010 to 220 the rainbow and now we have the sun children coming in and each branch is um a group of highly conscious souls um, incarnating with specific lights that are needed here during this time. So, for example, the indigos, of course, their color array that they've came in on is indigo, and they are systems busters. Their primary job is actually to help create a safe world for these new kids that are coming in. So these kids are considered sometimes edgy. And if they don't get a message across in one way, they'll do it another. But they're highly gifted. A lot of these kids are misdiagnosed to ADD, ADHD, okay? Then we have um, the crystal kids. And the color array they came in is like a gossamer, crystally kind of color. These kids are highly sensitive, and all these kids are very connected, psychic. Um, and um, But anyway, these children are a little shyer. They tend to gravitate toward the animals because they feel um, a kinship with this crew. Um, uh, they're very um, creative. Um, they're thoughtful. Um, uh, where the um, indigo kids are really all about understanding computers. Their brain activity works like a computer. All these kids have a connection with newfangled stuff, but there are certain levels of um, interest that are stronger with indigos because that was part of the breakthrough when this started happening. Um, so, and then with the um, rainbow children, uh, these little ones know how to work a room um, where the um, crystal children can quietly lay in their little crib. They change the energy with the smile. Uh, rainbow kids will dance their way in a room. They have no fear. They're highly creative. A lot of these kids would be singers and actors and um, uh, very, very psychic, very intuitive. Um, and they, the essence of who they are is endearing. It's sweet like crystals in that regard, except they're more social. And with the um, sun children... They um, they uh, they shine like these brilliant masters, and it's interesting. I've met a few that have come in and are born into families where dysfunctions are, and it's very interesting because they actually um, they they start off on a soul level, even as infants working as masters the pivotal changes that happen inside of family uh, units, that stuff that is confronted, their energy is just bringing it up and they're just laughing through it. That's all they do. Um, I met one of these little ones and all he did was laugh. I would speak to him before he was born and in his mom's belly 
And the day he came to meet me, he heard my voice. He woke up from a dead sleep, looked me right in the face, and laughed. And he was like three months. They're so aware, Mm. so aware. So we have all these kids with these brilliant lights. And one of the things the council said is every attempt to kill a child is now like trying to kill a master. And when you think about that, right, it kind of puts who they are, what their work is, what they're here to do, the light, the essence they are, in a whole new light. It gives them a level of honor that people don't conceive of, but they are here as profound messengers, so, and they're altering, you, you hear a lot, oh, having a baby will change your life. Well, nowadays, having a baby changes the world on a whole other level. So I wanted to just give the kids their due. And also, I think it's wonderful. We came back to this place where we're talking about life, which is part of, you know, the flip side of our theme today. And, um, you know, it just seems natural to come here. Yes, it does. And I'm, I think it's a good way to finish it, if, unless there's more you want to say. But I thank you very much for everything. Thank you, Joy. You're welcome, and it was an honor, and I want to thank you for everything. I mean, we couldn't be doing this without you, dude, right? And um, I um, want to thank our listeners, and I recently heard of a fan we have. Hi, Laura. (laughs) Hmm. We send our love to you, and um, I want to thank everybody. And we'll talk again soon. I'm thinking that might be a plan. Yeah. Okay. I'm there. (laughs) Bye, everyone, and happy Halloween. Yes, happy Halloween.